This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, April 27, 2010. I'm Caleb Brown. Great cities wax and wane, live and die, and the process is largely organic. So, too, with neighborhoods. The Obama administration hopes to reform the failures of past urban renewal with a new ethos of green living, high-density living. Eileen Norcross is a senior research fellow at the Mercatus Center at George Mason University. She evaluates the new debate compared with the old. In 1949, the the federal government became more involved in planning in the cities. Uh, Essentially, the idea was to revitalize declining areas. So the first series of policies were aimed at federal urban renewal. And what this meant in the 1950s was the bulldozing of neighborhoods that were considered deteriorated and the re-envisioning of these areas according to the design um, design aspirations of the elite planning forces of the day, which was to build high-rises and expressways in these areas on the theory that this would provide a better environment for people in the cities and, and better housing. But what ended up happening was really the, the displacement of people who were living in these neighborhoods. And um, the erection of these these high-rises and these freeways destroyed the life of many of these neighborhoods and um, did not result in in what the planners imagined. So you have the gutting of a lot of inner cities in Baltimore, uh, New York City, Boston, Philadelphia, and throughout the United States. What was the uh, the housing stock like that actually was raised? A lot of them were modest uh, brownstones and apartments and, and um, like you would see in, in many cities today that are still standing in, in Philadelphia and Greenwich Village, these sort of small neighborhoods. But they were low-income, middle-income neighborhoods that a lot of planners seem to think were filled with all kinds of um, uh, urban problems. And in fact, they were just sort of a modest level of housing that people could afford and, and had a very vibrant life. They were sort of housing stock that people could afford. Uh, these were raised and these people were displaced. And what was put in their their place were often high rises, which in some cases were not available to these people. In other cases, you had the concentration of people of low income and low means and uh, the enhancement of some of these social problems that the planners thought they were trying to eradicate. And, and in fact, they displaced the lives of these people and, and destroyed communities. President Obama wants to recharge, in some sense, this idea of using uh, federal power to remake cities. And I'm trying to put the best uh, the best phrasing on it. What is it that, that he wants to do? I think what's interesting about this policy is it's revitalizing a lot of the failed ideas of the past, except it's replacing it with a new ethos about how people should live. In the 50s and 60s, the idea was these sort of Le Corbusier-inspired high-rises and expressways. That was the prevalent idea, the design idea of the time. Today, we have a f- sort of 40 years of thinking on the subject behind us, and this has been replaced with the idea of high-density living, walkability, um, green living, improved mass transit, the idea of expanding this idea not just to include the sort of central city, but the greater uh, metropolitan statistical area. One of the aims of this is to curtail um, sprawl and the idea that they don't like people living in suburbs and driving automobiles, essentially. So this is an, another effort on the part of the planning elite to socially engineer how people live and where they live. The idea is to incent, incentivize uh, however you want to put it, people to live in uh, denser settings. But here in the United States, we also subsidize people moving way the heck out. It's interesting. It's kind of schizophrenic. And I think that 
that's part and parcel of the planning mentality is that they want to achieve multiple ends and to do so by using subsidies and tax breaks and and um, subsidizing mass transit or giving people vouchers to live um, in the suburbs. So it gets it gets down to sort of the imagination of the planner and and the uh, the idea of the moment. And I think what's behind a lot of this planning is is they want to reinvigorate the economies of cities and also the larger metropolitan area. And there's sort of an environmental undertone to this policy to get people to live more closely in the cities and to rely less on their automobiles and less on suburban housing. At the same time, you really can't impose preferences on people. Uh, there's a reason why people choose to live in the suburbs and to secure a backyard and, and maybe a little more space for themselves. So ultimately, I think these policies will not make anyone happy. What specifically does the Obama administration want to do here? Well, they've created an office of urban affairs, um, and they have a czar in charge of that, an urban czar. And I think what they're indicating is they want a sort of merger of transportation and HUD, uh, these agencies sort of working together. I think we may have seen a preview of what they're thinking about in the stimulus bill, uh, the grants the, that were awarded to um, rail projects and to see the community development block grant program and these sorts of past efforts sort of pumping up these programs with money um, and, and you know, improving the infrastructure of the cities, shovel-ready projects, these sorts of things are a taste of what we might see. And I'm speculating what we might see in the upcoming budget, um, FY 2011. We may see more focus on these sort of um, funding of, of grants that are meant to improve uh, the infrastructure of cities or transit. Interestingly, in the 1960s, the efforts of the federal government uh, were challenged by a, a reformer of the time, James Jacobs, who her neighborhood in Greenwich Village was on the chopping block. Robert Moses, who was the, the sort of chief architect and visionary for the city of New York, had a plan of putting an expressway right through Washington Square Park, which would have... Um, torn apart her neighborhood. So she was a, a, a journalist and an observer, and she began to document what it was like to live in Greenwich Village and to document the life of the neighborhood and what made that neighborhood cohesive and also where, how neighborhoods uh, are born and, and how, they, how they live and die, essentially. And it's the lives of the people coming together to build up that neighborhood that, that lead to the creation and the sustainability of neighborhoods, not the imposition of a plan from the top. So she saw things that the planners did not see. People sitting on their stoops watching the life of the street were in fact providing security in the neighborhood and a sense of trust among neighbors, whereas the central planner would look at that scene and see people idling. Um, she would see people, kids playing stickball in the street and see them as you know kids in the street who were safe outside their houses playing with their friends, and the central planners would see, again, uh, possible hooligans running in the streets. So what she documented was the actual life of the city. And she was in favor of what she observed was that sort of mixed-use housing, these sort of brownstones and um, shops. Central planners seized on these ideas, and they, they took a lot of her criticisms to heart. But what they ended up doing was try to replicate Greenwich Village, try to rep replicate that sort of mixed-use uh, low-density neighborhoods in their plans. So ironically, they were trying to plan for Jane Jacobs going forward, and you start seeing this uh, appearing in the, in the 70s and 80s in terms of uh, the plans of cities, how they thought they had to design neighborhoods in order to encourage encourage trust and encourage that kind of uh, social life of the city. She viewed the neighborhood as the result of people coming together, whereas the planners saw that as uh, 
an end that could be crafted from the top down. Correct. They see that as something to engineer rather than recognizing that that's, that's spontaneous in its nature. Eileen Norcross is a senior research fellow at the Mercatus Center at George Mason University. You can read more about land use and urban planning at our website, cato.org.